Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm your other host, Matthew Rodriguez. And today we are joined by... Connor Habib. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Connor. Thanks for being on. <laughs> Thanks for asking me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you are a new guest, and every new guest we make tell us our Buffy, their Buffy origin story. So tell us how you got into it, and all that. Okay, um, with great resistance at first, I um, I lived in Providence while Buffy was still on the air, in Providence, Rhode Island, and I had a roommate that I really disliked. <laughs> I only lived with her for like six months, and she was a pathological liar, but Buffy was her favorite show, and I would come home, and I would see her watching it, and I'd be like, man, what is this shit, you know? <laughs> like, I was so irritated, because I associated it with her, you know? And yeah. then... Um, and also, you know how it is, like, you can't really just watch, like, random episodes, and that's something that, you know, everybody who loves Buffy has to explain yeah. um, to to everyone. And so I would just see these, like, random episodes here and there. And so for a long time, I just thought, no, I'm not into it at all. <laughs> and then... Uh, I think it's someone, my, my friend, her girlfriend had all the DVD sets. Like, it was still on the air, but she had all the DVD sets, and she just wanted yeah. to get them because she was moving. So she gave me the first three seasons of uh, Buffy on DVD. And my boyfriend at the time, a, he's a musician and game designer named Jeb Havens. He's, like, my best friend now. And he... He and I, like, watched those first three seasons and watched them in order just because we were bored with our lives, you know, and, oh, wow, like, <laughs> it ended up being awesome, you know, but it is it is that thing where, like, and I have to tell everybody, like, you have to get through the first season before you like it, um, and that's, like, a little bit of a commitment, <laughs> but, yeah. and it's not that there's nothing to like in the first season, but it's, like, you know, you have to get over that hump, and then once you're in it, you're in it like everybody hits a certain episode in season two and suddenly they're in you know well yeah i think i mean i think we've talked about this a lot too but i think like in season two people start to see a larger vision for the show past and that in this in season one it's not necessarily terrible but it doesn't seem like there's a larger overarching vision for what buffy's supposed to be or where the show's going and then when they get to like the middle of season two and they see what's happening they're usually on board Mm -hmm. totally yeah that's i mean and that was my experience but i will say actually i mean since we're talking about season three like people credit season two is like oh it's the best and be and i think it's because that's where they get into it but season three is definitely where i became a really huge fan that's the it's the season that changed it for me and um you know, which which is funny because then, of course, season four um, <laughs> came out after, and you just have to again kind of endure a lot of that season. <laughs> and then five, in my opinion, five, six, and seven are the best seasons, which I know is contentious, especially. Oh my god, Connor, seven. I love you. <laughs> you well, do. Think, <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I think that I think there was like a tweet going around the other day that was something like what do you want to like what can't you say online to like start you know if you don't, if you don't want to start something whatever and my my quote tweet was like you can't ask like what's your favorite buffy season because it automatically will start like a problem <laughs> <laughs> well i mean we can all agree i think most people would say their least favorite was four right 
Like nobody says their favorite season is four. So I love four. He, Matthew does. You do? <laughs> yeah, but, it's not, I, but is it your favorite season? It's not. Well, I think three is my favorite, but four okay. is after. But four is after that. Got it. Yeah, I'm always okay. I'm always torn with four and six because overall I don't think I love them as much, but I think they have some of the best standalone episodes. I oh. think that when I, when I, the more and more I think about it, I feel like the show alternates like between like. Are, like I mean, in, the, in later seasons, it's like long arc, like three, and then in season just about like individual silly episodes, like four, and then you have five is a long arc, and six is individual silly episodes, and then seven is like a, is a long arc again. So they yeah, like yeah, alternate. Yeah. They alternate between what they're trying to do, but I think that four and six almost like mirror each other in a lot of ways because they're both seasons about like being away from the adults and like doing your own thing and making mistakes. And I think for me, I think a lot of people would disagree or whatever. I think four is a little bit more successful in its formula, except for the big bad. And then six is a little less successful, but then they get the badass Willow episodes. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's a good I think that's a good way to look at it. Although I do kind of love actually the arc with the the trio, right? Like I love that. Oh, yeah. I love them as the big bad, you know, until it ends up not being them, yeah. until they end up, like, screwing it up. So a lot of those episodes come across as, like, standalone, but they're yeah. but they're not. Yeah. Ian laughs at me because whenever we talk about Buffy on the podcast, I bring up, um, well, I bring up the DVDs and I bring up that I watched all of the featurettes on the DVDs that usually <laughs> have, like, Joss talking about sh- random shit. Or, like, there'll just be one about weapons. But I've watched all the features and watched all the director's commentary. And there's a whole featurette on the Season 6 DVD set where Joss says that, like, life is the big bad of Season 6. And that it's not Willow and it's not the trio. That it's life. And I'm like, Joss, stop that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I, I aspire to watch all the the episodes with commentary and all the featurettes and stuff. I watched a lot of them because I have that that box set you know like it's like just a little cube yeah Uh, so i have that and it also has that one thing where it's like the panel of them talking and i've never broken the seal to watch that dvd i'm always like just sort of like keeping it sacred and holding off it's like you know (laughs) it's like bluebeard's like one locked room like i don't want to go in and be disappointed or horrified or what i'm just like (laughs) letting it sit you know (laughs) um so let's jump in you know, okay. just scary to it. We're here to talk about um, some two very important episodes. And I'm so happy Connor's here to talk about them because these are some really fucking pivotal episodes in season three in terms of the overall arc of the season. We're here to talk about bad girls and consequences. Um, and these are episodes that I think are very beloved, I would say. Yes. And they're super interesting. So let's let's jump right in. Um, I don't know. So I don't know if you guys notice this it almost i mean i mentioned this in previous podcasts that like um with faith it seems like her arc is a little bit like muddled in the middle of the season and i love this season um but it feels like they're finally back to like like i i do feel like faith has a crush on buffy and it feels like buffy's finally like giving in and being like yeah i kind of into this too um this episode like right from the very beginning it feels like buffy's like on board immediately with everything. I feel like it's kind of, I mean, I'll say it now, but it's sort of one of the last things I have to say. Like, I feel 
actually one of the big missteps of the season is how quickly she goes to the mayor at the end of Consequences and just sort of switches over. It's too fast. You know, it's it's one of I love these two episodes and I love what happens in them. And because the tension is so good, they they let it go too quickly. And I think that maybe that sort of muddledness that you're talking about, they could have spent it sort of having this conflict maybe two episodes earlier and like burning this conflict out for another two because it's it just deflates this awesome awesome tension too quickly i really the more and more we talk about it on this show in general on this podcast i really feel like season three could have been like two a two season arc because there's so many things that i want them to explore and like earlier in an earlier episode connor we talked about how we wish like Gwendolyn Post had been around for three episodes or like a mini arc or something about because uh-huh. going deeper into the whole um, how untrustworthy the um, and how terrible the Watchers Council is and stuff like that. So there's another like I wanted more. I, I also too wanted like more episodes with Faith kind of being this middle figure between good and bad and not making that really quick transition. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so you so could I, have like season three point five, the desolation of smog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So yeah, I mean the episode opens, and I think it's like one of the first times that we see like Faith and Buffy having like banter while out patrolling. That's usually a scene that would happen with like Buffy and Willow or Buffy and Giles, but in this case, it's Buffy and Faith, and Faith is asking Buffy, like, if her and Xander have ever done it, because we know that they have, and Buffy doesn't know that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, after they fight those guys, it really, it goes to, um, the scene, um, there's a quick scene of, like, the the Scoobies talking, but then it goes to, um, them meeting, us meeting Wesley Wyndham Price, the new Watcher. Um, before that, like, sort of more generally, I just want to say, one of the reasons why this is my favorite season is I feel like this is one of the places, like one of the seasons with the episodes that are they're just so complexly interwoven. So mm-hmm. like there are all these sort of like echoes in the episode of future episodes of things that will happen later of the episode, of really like sort of containing and revealing character and story arcs and all that kind of stuff, right? And they're not explained. So you have little things like Oz's black hair, which you think is like, maybe that's like a werewolf thing. Like, who knows? Like, he just shows up with black hair in this episode, and you're like, oh, is that because they're close to a moon and we don't know that? Or, you know, um, and then you have that, for like, where the mayor's talking about liking family circus, and, um, you know, Family Circus has that, like, whole character that's, like, not me, you know? So it's, like, who killed the mayor's aide? Not me, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, you have these, like, little, like, kind of winks. And I don't know if they did them on purpose or not, but to me that's the sign of people that are really at work in the characters when things show up for the writers that show up in the show that um, are all sort of self-referential, you know, in like a really interesting way. And so when it starts with, you know, Faith confessing about Xander, like that's, that's another instance of like just a really profound way to show her character. Like she wants to talk, but she feels she, she's like asking Buffy if she's done it with, she's asking Buffy if Buffy has done it with Xander. Right. But she's confessing, 
in in her own way. She yeah, wants right. to talk, but she feels like totally unsafe talking. You know, and I feel like that's such a great it's just such a great place to start, like Faith feeling silence. Like she doesn't have anyone she can really talk to about what happened. And so then, of course, as it goes on, you, you know, you see that as part of her more and more in these sort of extreme ways. Yeah. So I, I want to bring up two. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, like, also, I think that Faith doesn't feel safe because Buffy and like the the weird morals that the show sometimes have has Buffy herself doesn't feel like someone that it's safe to be like, oh, yeah, like, I hooked up with your friend. It was casual. No big deal. Like, I feel like Faith kind of knows that Buffy would be judgy about that. And Buffy probably right. would be, you know? Like, Buffy's, like, kind of uptight when it comes to sex. Um, I mean, understandably, the first person she had sex with then tried to murder her. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> because she had sex with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are two quick things that kind of go down that same road that you were just talking about, Connor, that happen. Um... So the mayor's aide's response to his favorite cartoon character is Kathy. And I've always felt like the, um, <laughs> the aide was coded as gay and that he was a gay character who died. Like oh. he was, I've always felt like he was like supposed to be queer in some way. Like he's kind of mousy and, and a little femme. And he says he loves Kathy. So I, I've always felt that. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is... There he should have is, just said "ack" when he got killed. <laughs> if it were Thirty Rock, they would have like cut to him alone at home, like eating chocolate. <laughs> um, and then there is a little moment in that same like when we discover that Oz has black hair moment. That's um, very actually really like deep and rich. Where Cordelia comes up to Xander and chides him and like um, for and she says like at least my dad has my my father has a job. Yeah, And this season has been really, um, like, exploring Xander's, like, middle-class issues, or not even middle, like, working-class issues more is is a better way to put it, and, like, how his family is abusive and bad, and he slept outside on, you know, on Christmas during amends, and then I actually feel like that moment is really significant because it says to me, like, Cordelia and Xander spoke about, I mean, like, they had to have, but they don't really ever show it, but, like, Cordelia and Xander had to have spoken about Xander's like home life and how terrified he is or, or of his like abusive father that is banging on the door and restless, you know? And uh, Cordelia kind of like casually drops this like traumatic moment on him or like this really deep trauma. And like, she casually makes fun of him for it. And I just thought, I thought that was really like interesting or I don't know, but it, um, it obviously is foreshadowing in like what you were talking about, Connor, because eventually in this same season, her father is going to lose all of his money. Yeah. So um, she's kind of teasing him for something that's going to happen to her. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And, um, and there's like that conversation is also them sitting around talking about planning their lives and what they're going to do. Right. And so you have um, Buffy, you know, who's like sad. She can't live her own life. You know, and that that she has this destiny, and then, but that's not as in your face. I mean, there's something that's not as in your face as that is later when you see Faith, Faith like lose her destiny. Yeah, you know, right. she doesn't get to have it either. And then Giles also the same thing. Like Giles like loses his sense of purpose, but he gets to somehow retain it because he has the close relationships with everybody around him. You know, and so there's yeah. there's that too. Just that you know, um, just that the guidance counselor, you know, like career fair, like 
revelation of destiny, you know, and people's feelings about it. To keep talking about Buffy and Faith, um, I do want to, I want I really want to talk about that conversation they have where they basically lay out their different philosophies of slang, you know, where like Buffy's like, well, we have to do this because Wesley is our boss and Wesley told us to do this. And Faith is basically like, we don't have to do shit. Like we have powers. Everyone else doesn't. And I think, always think that that like they're having a very mature conversation about like a very very wise conversation about like the nature of power their own power what the watchers council can and cannot do and it's like stuff that's gonna even foreshadow things that happen in season seven when buffy learns about the first layer and like gets offered all that extra power you know right um it's like a really interesting conversation so I, i just wanted to talk about that no, well, that that's actually is really interesting because, like, she gains all this extra power at the end of season four, right? Or is it the end of season? Yeah, yeah. the end of season yeah. four. And it is weird in this episode because she and Faith are fighting in the graveyard, and she almost just gets like killed by this vampire, and then and then again a second time at the end of Consequences, um, where and Faith shows up behind the vampire and stakes. The vampire just as he's about to really hurt Buffy you know and um and so just seeing her like weak like you like as the seasons go on you kind of forget that she used to be that weak that like you know uh, and and I really and I forget the name of the episode but there's the episode it's one of my favorite ones so I wish I didn't forget it where she <laughs> consults Spike on like how did you kill the other slayers you know like what oh yeah what happened where she almost has a slip where she just has a slip up and she gets staked actually by one of the vampires and so um but you're not used to as the seasons go on seeing her as weak as she is in this moment where you're like oh she kind of she's really rescued by faith you know well yeah i Um, mean i even thought that too when she's like oh there's six of them and it's like yeah but buffy like season five buffy would have been like oh there's only six of them i can go kill these guys real quick uh, (laughs) right like when she finds out that riley has been getting you know, like, yeah, like gets blood drained by the vampires and they all surround her. And she's like, I'm going to kill you all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she kills the whole group. And that's more than six, I think. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Well, well, what's interesting, too, that you just brought up is that Faith saves Buffy at the beginning of Bad Girls. And then she also saves her again at the end of Consequences, which also makes like another argument for this being like almost like one long episode instead of two separate ones it really feels yeah. like it i think yeah there is this really interesting mirror it just feels like they're sh- like they could have slapped a to be continued at the end of bad girls and it would have made sense you know uh-huh um because then you know so faith saves her at the beginning when they're just having the casual conversation and then when mr trick is almost about to bite her um faith faith comes through um and and saves her again and it's a uh, it's an interesting mirror moment when Buffy is so Buffy and Faith go down into the like they they go down into the lair or whatever because yeah. Faith jumps in and she says if you don't come in after me I might die, which then ends up being basically Buffy's in relationship to Faith through the rest of the season. <laughs> like <laughs> if you don't come after me I'll die, you know, and if you do come after me I'll kill you. But she but Buffy follows her in and like there are all these vampires and one of them drown like drowns Buffy. I found that moment like kinda out of place and irritating. Like yes. they really dramatize this like drowning moment and there's just everything goes slow-mo for a minute and then Buffy just comes back up and she she has a sword. It's just very like low 
stakes but like it, like it, it's not or it's like not played well it's like they're pretending this is this really dramatic moment but then they just like let it go right yeah. away as well buffy's not screwed up by being drowned like she didn't really drown or did she why did they slow-mo it you know <laughs> I, I just i hate that moment yeah it's really weird well, because like it's like a good like oh she comes back and she's fine but it's like well then why did we just do that like <laughs> Well, it's just part, it's this really weird sequence. So, like, you have the conversation where Faith is like, we're badass bitches, like, we don't need anyone. And then you have, they go and fight together, and Buffy gets drowned. And I almost feel like the writers use the drowning as a device, and you're kind of right, Connor, in that it's, I mean, not kind of right, you are right. I'm sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't shade. <laughs> you're, you're right in that it, it feels very cheap. It's like, okay, if the Slayer was going to die, it wasn't going to happen in a commercial break during this episode, during this episode, you know? Like, right. Um, and so it, it feels very cheap. And then it kind of feels like there's supposed to be some metaphor because Buffy wakes up from the drowning and all of a sudden, like, kind of wants to be Faith. Right. And I don't, like, I don't know what they're hinting at there. Like, did she die for a second? Did she, like, have some kind of realization? Did, did, she, did she see the light? And someone was like, do you like Faith? I don't know. But because when she gets up, she's acting really badass. She has that sword. She pokes the guy, gets the amulet. It's all very cinematic. And then she's not you cut, she's not phased. And then you cut right to them dancing up on each other. And, and Faith is doing her infamous arm dancing that she does <laughs> that we saw the first time <laughs> she was on screen ever. And it's supposed it feels like a reintroduction of like, well, you saw Faith dancing like this. Now it's both of them, and they're both gonna be the bad Slayer. Right? It just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense at at all. <laughs> yeah, that that would be the that that would be the like instigating moment for that. Scene. Oh, I actually, you know what? I got the sequence wrong. The dance thing does not happen after they get the amulet. I'm sorry. They get the they get the amulet, and then they come back and show it to Wesley or whatever. Right. And yeah. they're dancing after the fucking scene where Faith interrupts an exam oh, and right. takes Buffy out and then they go kill those vamps in the nest and then they dance. That that right. scene With, is so, like, I love Faith interrupting Buffy taking a test. It reminds me of, like, a cheesy 80s movie where, like, the bad boy in the leather jacket comes and is like, hey, want to go on my right, motorcycle? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I don't know if you would agree with this, but, like, I don't know how to other way to describe it, but the whole this a lot of this episode feels like fantastical or like a dream sequence. And so when you bring up like '80s leather jacket guy, like it feels fantastical. Like it does not feel real. Like there's she's she's sitting down for a chemistry exam, the most mundane high school thing <laughs> you can do. And Buffy is also acting really weird in this moment. Like she's really talking about how cool slaying is to willow and xander who have seen her slay a million times and it's not that cool to them like they're like yeah well, we know we do it with you all the time i really think it's because like i always go back to this like i mean i would totally bottom for faith like she's hot and she's like really confident and or pretends to be confident um and i like totally buy it and i think that buffy is finally buying it and buffy looks at her she she thinks faith's cool like by this Whatever in the beginning well, of the episode. Well, she gets the allure. Yeah. She's, like, taken in with Faith, and she, like, thinks Faith's the coolest. And like I said, like, Faith's, like, this, like, dude from an 80s movie, and is like, hey, want to come out? And it's like, yeah, of course you do. I would want to go out, too. Any interruption of, like, a test, it, it always feels very 80s movie, right? Like, it could be Freddy Krueger, because he <laughs> fell asleep in class. 
<laughs> it has some like she also has this like Judd Nelson from Breakfast Club like feeling a yeah. little even though she's the bully like she he's the bully like he's still like she's wearing the leather jacket and all that but, like <laughs> there is that like kind of badass you know she's also she's very Spike ish you yes. know in her own way too like this anarchic like character with a leather jacket on and I love that moment too and I love Willow's like like aghast. <laughs> Her response to it, you know, it's it, feel, it feels very Willow because there's a lot of moments where like Willow's nerdiness feels a bit forced, but mm. like this one is like, what, <laughs> what, what? Like she can't even imagine it, you know? And I, I love that. <laughs> um, I also, so what do you guys think about Wesley? I wanted to see how you guys felt. <laughs> I almost feel bad for him only because he shit on immediately. And I don't think they would have accepted anyone new. Right. Well, first of all, let me tell you something that what may shock you is tell that me, Connor. <laughs> I've only seen two seasons of Angel. Okay. So you can't reveal to me at least <laughs> anything that happens past season two in Angel with any of those characters. So as we start talking about Wesley and Cordelia a bit, I just want to make that <laughs> known. <laughs> okay. As weird as that sounds, I just never went there. Like I never until my friend Gordon like demanded that I do it. And I was like, okay. And it is very different, obviously a very yes. different show, but like, um, but I, yeah, I mean, I felt like Wesley, you know, um, I felt like, I felt badly for him as well, you know, and you're kind of led to not feel badly for him later when they're with Baltazar and he like, he's like, Oh, I'll give you whatever you want, you know, like, and he's just so, he's so cowardly or whatever, but they are really, he's just posturing and he's trying to demonstrate his value as a watcher. And so it's a little annoying, but they are really, really hard on him. And there's not really a reason to be, you would think, but but it's also funny the way <laughs> the way that they are constantly as well. And then Cordelia, you know, like shows up and instead of having that response, like, well, you guys are idiots. Like, I'm going to think that this guy's hot and I'm going to hit on him. Yeah. It's like the most popular girl in school. That's also a really interesting moment. But also weirdly uncomfortable, you know, in the way that like Agent Cooper or Audrey Horn is yes. uncomfortable. Where <laughs> you're like, you know, I mean, I don't personally find it like weird to see like a teenage girl hit on an older guy because as a teenage boy who like was into older guys but his like struggle with the reciprocation (laughs) does come across as like like not allowable right now and also like they do look like they could be the same age like (laughs) totally especially the outfit she's wearing when she comes in (laughs) yeah yeah that's a much older person's clothing you know so it's very it's very funny but his struggle is his struggle is bizarre and like kind of uncomfortable to watch now in a way that it wasn't certainly yeah. when, when it came out. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, also, so there's a kind of like a throwback. So like clearly the whole thing would have been like all of their issues would have been avoidable if she had just talked to fucking Giles about it. Cause you know, then Giles is like, Oh, there are things in place for when this happens. Um, oh, right, yeah. Like, that in Ted, actually, and I only remembered this because I remember, like, making a gif of Cordelia saying this, but in Ted, Cordelia says, like, shouldn't they have, shouldn't different rules apply to Buffy because she has superpowers? Yeah, yeah. And Willow's like, yeah, in a fascist society, and Cordelia's like, why don't we have one of those? Um, <laughs> and then it's funny that, like, in this, like, we learn that there are rules, special rules in place 
But like, I think that does make sense that there would be, right? Well, it is it is a weird thing, like, and you encounter, and I guess we'll talk about this in consequences when we talk more about consequences, but you do encounter that, like, Buffy herself is delusional about what she is, you know, and you see that again, like, when they're talking about careers, you know, um, sure, yeah. that she just doesn't understand, like, no, you actually are different than other people, and, like, you are... A, you you have killed people haven't you (laughs) yeah yeah like like there's not you know it's just not it's just not that clean but there is something about the um the moment where faith kills the guy i don't know if we're are we can we talk about yeah 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 it's it's the next thing that happens honestly in the episode yeah okay well i know we saw balthazar before that and we didn't talk about him and he's actually his weird marvel comics analog is this character named the slug who was in, um, oh, I think yeah. it was Daredevil. He was like fatter than the Kingpin and he would kill people by putting their head in his rolls of fat. And like, he looks very much like Balthazar, but is <laughs> without the weird shit on his face. Um, Connor, you're but, impressing me with your nerdiness. Oh, well, that's <laughs> the era of comic books that I read was when like <laughs> giant size annuals would come out with like yeah. War of Atlantis or whatever. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so... The the thing I noticed sort of going through it again this time was, oh, Buffy actually sets Faith up to kill the guy. Like, it's not just that Faith kills him. Like, Buffy pushes him so Faith can kill him. And then she's like, Faith, watch out, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and right. just realized, like, how much that must have played into Faith's hatred of Buffy at that point, you know? And Buffy she does somewhat assume responsibility, but not really. Like it's all really just kind of Faith's fault after Faith decides to not disclose about it. But Buffy was wrong. I mean, she grabbed the guy, she pushed him down so Faith could stake him and then yelled stop like mid Faith about to like slam the thing into his chest. And so, and she never really fesses up to that. It's always Faith having done the worst thing there, but I mean, is it really like just <laughs> so, like one second so, off, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think they talk about this in consequences, but I don't know what it is that, about this reviewing for this podcast that made me see it. But I was, I'm kind of maybe even further on Faith's side than Connor and just being like, it was a 110% mistake. <laughs> and Faith is like, I can see why Faith doesn't have any trauma around it because she really is like, listen, like, I wasn't, I, it was, like, she says that line that, like, he was caught in the crosshairs, and, like, she's trying to fight good here, and she's not losing sleep, and I actually kind of was, like, oh, that's, like, a normal response. I don't know if I'm just a sociopath, <laughs> but, like, I was, I kind of understood where she was coming from, and it's an interesting way to, for, like, the show to frame her whole going bad around this accident, because you're right, when Buffy talks about it, she makes it seem like Faith went out hunting someone one night and just, like, decided to slash their throat in, like, a really violent display when it really was, like, she thought she was staking a vampire and, like, it just happened. Well, she is traumatized by it. I mean, I don't I don't think... I wouldn't say she doesn't feel any trauma around it. She definitely does. Like, she oh, does yeah, she's traumatized. Like, yeah. Yeah, but she... But her trauma... Her trauma is... And, like, what makes it terrible for her is that she can't talk to anybody about it. So it's like she's almost pre-traumatized and the moment just like sets off 
everything that has happened to her before in her life, you know, and Buffy, because she's so close to her, like, as you're pointing out, um, in like, it matches, like, she, she thinks that she can't talk to anybody too, right? Like you were saying with, um, how she could have just talked to Giles in the first place, but she feels like she can't either, you know, and she's sort of in it with faith and they're kind of sisters in this guilt together but Buffy gets this breaking point and when she tells Giles because she thinks she sees that faith has lied to him she thinks that Giles isn't going to believe her you know and then it comes to light like well Willow believed her Giles believes her everybody's actually there for her yeah in a way that she didn't think that they were and so you also get an idea of why she was bonding with Faith so much, she didn't really think that the other people were there for her in the same way because she felt completely set apart as a slayer until, until (laughs) Faith kills someone and then suddenly Buffy feels like everybody else again, you know, which is a whole weird thing. Like, I was doing my job, Faith says, and then she's like, being a slayer is not the same thing as being a killer. Yet, whenever anybody wants to kill Angel, whenever (laughs) anybody wants to kill any of those good demons, like, later on, even like, you know, it's like she it's it she understands that killing demons is killing, you know, and there are other people that she threatens to kill and she says she's going to kill and all that. And I, I understand that some of that changes because she stabs Faith like later on in the season. But um I, I think it's really interesting that suddenly <laughs> <laughs> she the, the yeah. way she goes back and forth from being just a normal girl to like being totally empowered whereas you're right like faith has a bit more of a coherent a coherent worldview it's just that she's lonely and um and repressed and in her own way and doesn't know how to talk to people and feels like victimized constantly right yeah well, and, I mean, and i mean it's buffy always that's like consistent i guess with buffy and that's like the big issue in season seven like Buffy has this like loner bullshit complex when it's like Buffy you have these really good friends that like are there for you that I mean sometimes you know can be shitty but like she has like a good support system but she always is like to her it always comes down to oh I'm the chosen one 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 and so she does (laughs) things like this where she keeps things from her friends and like and, and like Giles is always like almost always supportive of her um so it seems like crazy that she wouldn't have just been like giles you're not gonna believe what happened because like yeah faith it was a mistake i don't know and like it doesn't seem that was one of the things i wrote down like what would have happened if buffy had killed this guy by accident like Mm -hmm. if she'd been the one to stab the person like i don't know like the the series could have had like i imagine the season could have gone a certain way of like what if Buffy accidentally kills someone? And I mean, that's kind of what they dealt with in Ted, even right? Yeah, a dumb, a dumb episode to point to, but like they deal with, they've dealt with this before, and like they're if if Buffy had killed someone the way Faith did, the series would have found a way by the end of the season to wrap it up morally and yeah. be like, <laughs> well, it was okay, but um, because it's Faith, they really stick it to her, and and I, you know. We never see Buffy saying, oh, by the way, I basically pushed him down onto the ground in a place where Faith could easily get a stake into his heart. Yeah. Um, She really kind of doesn't, she really elides that when she confesses and she kind of puts it all on Faith. And I think Connor hit on it in that, like, one of the reasons she's feeling all that guilt is because she had such a participatory role. She didn't just, like, watch it from afar. She participated in the killing. But then in the moment where the Slayers kind of go their opposite ways and Buffy's trying to rectify the problem and 
Faith is dealing really with her outsider status from the group and dealing with her trauma in a much different way. Um, Buffy never really fesses up to that. Yeah, um, and if, yeah. If, if I may talk about the last moment in the episode. Which, I was just about to get um, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite moments in the entire series um, where she says, no, you don't get it, I don't care, right? Like, Buffy, you don't get it, you killed someone, you killed a man, whatever she says. And Faith says, with a smile on her face, no, you don't get it, I don't care. Now, obviously, she does care. She's scrubbing her clothes out. She, you know, the blood out of her clothes, she she could have thrown those clothes away. (laughs) You know, like, there's there's no reason Faith can't get new clothes, especially (laughs) if she's fine with robbing stores, you know what I mean? Like, she decided to keep them and, like, try to scrub them clean. She She... she closed the guy's eyes. She's having all this trouble. And Buffy says, no, you don't get it. You killed someone. And she says, no, you don't. You don't get it. I don't care. And then the episode ends. It's such a brutal moment. It's yeah. such a chilling moment. And the only other moment that's like that in the entire series, which is also one of my favorite moments, is I, I'm going to mess up the, the wording. <laughs> but it's in season six when Giles says something like, you are a rank amateur or whatever he says you're rank arrogant with amateur yeah <laughs> and she says yeah I, I you know like i am i am dealing with powerful forces so maybe you should watch out or watch what you say to me whatever she says yeah and it's this moment where you don't get until later the implications of this one little subjunctive you know moment and then suddenly it, it all like that's that's where everything is kind of set into motion and yeah. Faith actually has a lot of those moments in this season that when you look back, like there's the moment when Buffy walks, I forget what episode it is. You guys will know because you just watched it, but where (laughs) Buffy's walking out of her hotel room and she stands on the stairs for two seconds and pauses. Like she's going to go back in and talk to Faith some more, but decides to just leave instead. Like I love that Faith is a person who is given so many chances, but they're always, they're just continuously violated you know, like, yeah, and it, and some of it's her fault and some of it's not. And that's what makes her so, so tragic. You know? I, I was about to say, they're not always her fault, but sometimes they are. Like, right, um, totally. Because, like, I feel I just, like Consequences, since we can get there now, because I do think that's a really good ending for that episode. Consequences is, like, everyone is fumbling and fucking up. And, like, I don't, it's just, like, no one can fucking get it right. And, like, I almost I almost feel like I understood every perspective. Like, Wesley as the outside person, and they all treated him like shit immediately. Being like, I'm not going to cover for you guys. I'm going to tell the Watchers Council because we have a thing to do if this happens. Um, so, like, it almost makes sense that he doesn't, like, back them up. And then, like, I don't know. It feels like everyone has, like, a chance and everyone blows it in consequences. Like, if Giles had been like, hey, Wesley... This is what we're going to do. This will really work. Like, let's talk to her, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, like, I feel like everyone blows the chance and consequences, and that kind of, like, I mean, clearly it does set the stage for the rest of Faith's arc this season, which culminates in Buffy having to stab her. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, wait, before... I, I, I forgot, though, that I really want to talk about the moment where Balthazar dies. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I want to talk about... Because I think that the ending with Buffy is, from a writer's perspective, like, the ending with Buffy and Faith, there's actually, like, three endings to the episode. <laughs> and, and that's why it's such a good two-parter, even though they won't call it a two-parter. But um, 
at the end of this episode, the writers do so many things to make it feel like it's constantly ending. And it's actually, I feel like, supposed to feel like you're being like assaulted with all this information or all this action happening. So you have Baltazar dying and, and Connor, you can talk about what he says, but then you can, then from you, you go from that, you have the moment where we find out that the mayor is invincible. And then you have the moment oh, yeah. where Buffy and yeah. Faith have that conversation. And it's like three very intense culminations before consequences. That's true. And important plot points for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't have skipped past it. We, we were so focused on <laughs> Sorry. the, the staking. <laughs> no, it's my fault, too, that I rushed us to the end. But you're right. Like, those are those are all endings. So, like, when Balthazar dies, this is this season's From Beneath You, It Devours, right? Like, he yeah. says, you know, when he rises or whatever. First of all, Buffy electrocutes him. Well, she loves the electrocution. Like, she... <laughs> It's like a strategy in so many episodes, like, and, um, and he's, he's gross, you know, and like, it just like, looks like this big smelly dead ham, you know, and, but he says this thing to her at the end is like, last breath is like, well, you're gonna, you're gonna die. And then that does come up again in the, from beneath you, it devours. And I love that. And, and then, and it's also echoed in the, um, you think you know what you are or what what's to come or whatever you have no idea or whatever it is yeah and that those sorts of um prophecies from from other voices you know i love that i love that as sort of you know like as powerful as buffy is as knowledgeable as giles is as tight as their group is like there's always forces that know more than them that always have like more going on about about them even so i love that moment um, when he says that to her. Really quick on Balthazar, I just want to say that my favorite moment with Balthazar is because they're really trying to play up how cool Giles is compared to Wesley. You know, like oh, yeah. he, captu- <laughs> he captures them both. And um, he, like Balthazar says, like, I'm going to tell you what I want. And Giles says, I hope it's not to uh, scrub those hard to reach places. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're really trying to like because they're the show is really trying to make Giles seem like the cool badass one, so they're really upping how up like how um what's the word I guess like how much he would banter with a villain because I think that there's a, another version of Giles that would not treat like yes. a deadly vil- a villain that way, but they're really trying to make him seem like the cool the cool watcher yeah compared to to Wesley because like I feel like while Giles isn't someone who would get scared, it doesn't he seems almost too sassy. Um... And Wesley's, like, sniveling immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have that ending, which is chilling. Um, and then you have, like, I remember watching this moment happen on TV when the mayor has that guy attack him and you find out that he's invincible. And, like, your jaw drops if you've never seen it before. And and it's also a great moment because he gets invincibility and Faith thought she had invincibility, you know, <laughs> and, and, and she realizes that she doesn't like, she might be able to like kill her way out of anything, but like, she can't, but she, she's vulnerable, you know, she finds out that she's extremely vulnerable and like Buffy does too, you know, but the faith, is, but the mayor is just sort of like reveling in his ability to not be killed, you know, now that progression of the season two yeah. is like all the rituals that he does to become more and more and more like 
you know, toward the ascension is really fascinating. You know, he, he has like barely any interaction with Buffy for most of the season. But he knows about her. Yeah. And you find out the little ways he knows about her in really interesting ways, too. Like, so when you get to consequences and the homicide detective, who's really fucking hot, is investigating <laughs> the, and like talking to Buffy and Faith. And he's like, uh, there were wooden splinters in his heart or something like he reveals this bit of information that shows he's kind of like knows what's up with, yeah. you know with the slayers or what's going on in the town. And so you realize like, he must know sort of either on behalf of the mayor or sort of in the way that the kids at the school know when they give Buffy her, you know, um, her honorary award umbrella, you know, um, which is a, which is a moment that makes me cry still. It's it's such a sweet. Same. (laughs) I was really worried you were just about to say you didn't like that moment. And I was like, please don't say something bad about that moment. I love it. Oh no, it's so beautiful. It's such a sweet, beautiful moment. Wait, which moment? when they give Buffy the oh it, yeah yeah the, the per- protector class protector protector yeah. that's what it is but they um but it's like do, does he know because the mayor has told him does is he investigating for those reasons whatever but I like that yeah you, that moment where um it's sort of revealed like the the sort of interwoven what's going on in the town it's sort of like you know I was watching. I watched it twice, the Stephen King, the new Stephen King movie. It's and really like, good, right? Yeah, it's good. And and the, the kids are all talking in the town. Like, everybody knows this happens in the town. It's one of those places. Yeah. You know, and that's Sunnydale, too. It's like, everybody knows shit is going on, but no one's really willing to take action, except the one time when Joyce loses her mind and tries to burn everybody alive. <laughs> but But <laughs> nobody really tries to take action about it. And that always lend something because they go they go through you realize you're in a place where people go throughout their day with a sense of total inevitability it's like a war zone you know and you have this person who's in a war zone who's trying to keep everybody feeling like they're not not in one you know and i think that that's moments like that in the series are really touching to me and also very like claustrophobic at the same time I, I was wondering that too. This was the first time I watched it when I was like, well, wait a minute. Why would that be him questioning Buffy being like, well, we found wooden pieces. Like, why would that even come up with like questioning this 17, 18 year old teenage girl? Like, unless he kind of knew something. So I was wondering right. that too this time. I was like, I feel like the mayor told them something. And like, there's an in the episode Bad Eggs when I think it's the principal. I think he talks to the police and they're like, what are we going to say this time? So yeah, like yeah. The police yeah. know of something. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you kind of see. I think it's more that like this guy is just basically the mayor knows that they. Well, I don't. I don't know if the mayor knows they did it, but maybe he suspects, and so it's kind of like the police are the mayor's goonies in any town. So yeah. like he just kind of sends the police out to to say something to them, and and probably even more because he knows they're not going to confess. It might be just to route to like scare them to spook them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so can we move uh, on to consequences? I mean, we are on consequence. We, we're, yeah. we're there, but... <laughs> That's how much I blend these episodes together that I literally just finished watching them, like, two hours ago, and I already forgot that the cop part takes place in consequences not bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you were like, let's talk about consequences. Like, Ian, you've just been talking about it for yeah. 15 minutes. <laughs> um, so, and, and we did talk about when Cordelia and Wesley meet, which happens actually right at the beginning of consequences, consequences also. yeah. yeah. Um, 
So the first, so we have that whole kind of scene where Buffy and Faith go into the mayor's office to get information, and they kind of find out that Mr. Trick is working with the mayor, and they kind of, it's the moment when they realize that everything is bigger than they first imagined. You know, they, like, kind of get confirmation. But there's another great conversation that happens after all that with between Buffy and Faith, and it's the one where Buffy asks, basically, like, asks Faith, like, don't you, don't you feel guilty? Like, I mean, Faith said, I don't care at the end of Bad Girls, but during Consequences, Buffy tries to, like, bring it up to her again to see if she's changed her mind. It's a really good, it's a really good conversation. Well, first, I want to say that moment where they realize the mayor is in on it. So this is the first season where the, the sort of big villain isn't a vampire, right? So that's, yeah, that's yeah. something like the vampires are in service and I, uh, to, to the sort of bigger evil. And I love, I mean, obviously there have been bigger evils before, but not any that were necessarily, you know, it's like. It was just a really bad vampire in the past couple seasons, you know, like <laughs> just a terrible vampire. And so I love that. I love that sort of dawning, like, oh, this is like way beyond our, you know, like what what we knew, what we thought we could handle. And then when they get to that conversation, I love Faith saying, is there going to be an intermission in this? You know, oh, my gosh. Like, it's magic. It's so good. pouring her heart out. And Faith is just like, are we done? You know? And I agree with you. The more I've watched, the more times I've watched this episode, the more I feel like Buffy is out of her depth. That, like, a lot of it has to do with her not seeing who she is. You know, as much as the fact, as much as the fact that Faith can't see that she should open up. You know, like Buffy's just as blind to the circumstances Faith is to her own in her own way. You know, and then Faith says, "We are better." And she says, you know, how many people have we saved? So I feel like that pretty much puts us in a different category. And what, I mean, how revealing is that, that Buffy doesn't even like really consider that, you know, it's not, Buffy wouldn't do a cost benefit analysis. And I think that that's (laughs) great. Faith did like Faith is like, well, look, you know, all pretty much even that was you saved the world. And, you know, so I killed one person, no big deal. Like that's, but Buffy didn't feel like, like bu- that Buffy didn't even think of that right. is, biz- right. is is really strange and think about it enough that she could tell Giles. So she is, you know, in some, in like a sort of lesser way in the same position as Faith where she feels stuck. She just feels like she knows the only way out is to open up and Faith doesn't know that, you know. And that whole, that whole conversation that Willow, uh, that Willow, that Buffy and Faith have, like, so when... I think Buff Faith says like, "Oh, did you meet the mayor?" And she's like, "I didn't get any bad vibes out of him." And Faith says like, "That's the problem with you. Nine times out of ten, the face they're showing isn't their real one." Is something uh-huh. Faith says, which is Faith talking almost about herself, because she's mm-hmm. like putting on this like air of like, "I don't care," but she actually is traumatized, and like. I don't think I don't even know that Buffy's quite I mean eventually by the end she's getting it but like I don't know that Buffy's getting the fact that like Faith is kind of traumatized and this is like an air of like I don't give a shit even though Faith is making really good points but the the other thing that I get from that conversation is like we're talking like the whole time when Buffy is talking she is projecting all of her issues onto Faith oh yeah like she's she's barely talking about Faith she's just talking about she 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 assumes to know Faith's psyche, and so she brings up all these things that she's feeling, 
But it's like, girl, if you're feeling all these things, maybe you should go see a therapist because you clearly have a lot of feelings about this. But instead, you're deciding to yell at Faith in front of the Sunnydale movie theater. Like, it's really ridiculous. Well, I mean, in fairness, though, in fairness, let me just say, in fairness, she can't tell anybody without telling them about Faith. So she is at least somewhat protecting Faith and saying, like, if I talk to someone, you have to understand I'm also talking about you. We need to do this together. So, like, I would, like... And I feel like Buffy is like, you know, she's showing a willingness like I want to do something to make this better. And you're right. Like she is sort of projecting onto faith like, well, maybe you don't, you know, like you must care as much as I do. And I really do think faith cares in her own way, which doesn't really get resolved until she's on Angel, I guess. Yeah. But, but 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 Buffy can't do anything about it without outing Faith, and That's so she's really you know um, trying to get her to be in it with her, you know. Well, one of the things that you brought up that I thought that I wanted to bring up too is like I feel like this conversation is really telling because there's always when I'm watching Buffy, I'm really cognizant of like how I feel. I mean, and when I'm watching any TV show, it's like how I feel about a character versus how the show wants us to feel. Uh-huh. And the show, the show really wants us to feel that Buffy is superior to Faith because she yeah. is having these negative feelings and Faith won't have them. But when I'm watching it this time around, I'm really like, you were talking about the cost benefit analysis. Like Faith <laughs> is actually coming to the situation with a critical lens and is trying to think through these things. And it may just be a self-serving type of thing. Like I thought about it so that I can get out of it psychologically but you actually see that, like, Faith, ha- and just in her doing that, even if it's to get herself a psychological out, she has been wrestling with it, and she has been thinking about it. The show wants you to think that she doesn't care about it on some level, but it shows that, like, Faith sat in her room and was like, well, you know, I've killed so many vampires, I've done so much good, like, I'm not going to let this bother me or whatever. Right. But, you know, so the show really wants you to, like, not see Faith's side, but it, it, it it's a lot deeper than they're actually... And I feel like the show's lens is giving us. Well, it does. It does let you see it later. Like, but yeah. it. Does, but you're right. It drags you through. But when she's talking to Angel, it lets yes. you see it because you see that actually Faith's response is the same thing with. Um, I'm sorry, you just said her name, but I forget her name. The the fake watcher, the woman, Gwendolyn Post. Oh, well, oh Gwendolyn. That's yeah. right. Who's like who's like says that Faith is very stupid. You know. Yeah. Like Faith. Faith doesn't feel like she can open up unless she knows someone has gone through the kind of pain that she's gone through. You know, yeah. she does. She definitely doesn't trust Buffy to have gone through it, which is kind of dumb because Buffy did have to kill Angel. You know, like Buffy did has gone through a lot, but you know, it's like maybe not the kinds of stuff that Faith has gone through. But when she sits down and talks to Angel, you do kind of get like, all right, maybe maybe she would be liked. And you see that happening. I know I'm jumping ahead and there's some stuff in between that we can go back to, but like <laughs> you see that happening because um, she's Angel's kind of getting through to her. You see the look on her face change. You see her listening. And then when Wesley and then the Watchers Council break in, they unlock her chains. And then when they put the handcuffs on her, she says, what? She's so shocked. Like she's shocked in this moment of, how could they be doing this to me? Like, don't they see 
you know, I was just starting to like, listen, I was just starting to understand or whatever. She's so it's such that, that moment that what and her shock is such a tragic moment Yeah. Too. not, not just that they're betraying her and being like idiots, but that she's so genuinely surprised that she could come through the pain and start to like register and, and hear things in some other way. And it still wouldn't matter. It still wouldn't matter, you know? So I feel like there we do get pulled to a place where we are at some point supposed to feel sympathetic with her again. Um, I'm so shocked because watching it this time, I got such a sense of how um, this might get a little like, I don't know, college essay about it all. But like, <laughs> it really feels like Angel is coming from this place of like restorative justice where like he wants Faith to understand what she did and try to make amends for it and like work toward under like an understanding where she can grow to a better place and the watchers council is definitely just like oh punitive justice like you did some bad shit you're gonna go to jail and as we all know jail and all kind of like prison and all that shit is very traumatizing so it's kind of showing like their response is just to further traumatize her and infantilize her and like take away her autonomy and it's at that exact moment where faith is actually showing that she wants to grow and like maybe address what happened and it just shows like how much I mean, this season we keep saying on, on this podcast is all about how systems of authority consistently fail all of the main characters that we care about. And here we have like at the moment where Faith's about to have a breakthrough, the Watchers Council fucks it up grandly. And honestly, to me, that is what causes it like when we see Faith go to the mayor at the end of consequences, like it is not even that so much a rejection of Buffy and all of them. It's a rejection of like the Watchers Council that just wanted to lock her up and treat her like an animal. Well, and her, obviously, it's, like, meant to be, like, a father thing. Well, yeah. Like well, she we, finds, get that she finds the it with the fa- She finds it with the mayor, right? And the Watchers Council, like, the Watchers were sort of ad hoc, like, dads to her at a certain point, you know? And that, like, she had these, she had these Watchers, well, parents, because wasn't her former Watcher was a woman, I think, who was killed or... And so, so it's interesting because, you know, later in Angel, when she checks herself into jail, basically, she, like, gives herself up and she gets put in prison. So she, it's not prison that she's afraid of, you know? Like, ultimately, because also, like, what kind of trouble is there going to be for her in prison? Like, she'll be bored, you yeah, know, true. and that's that's like the thing she's afraid to contend with. But she's not going to be in any physical danger in prison. And they can't even really keep her there if she wants to get out. You know, yeah. she's just volunteering to a life of sort of quiet solitude to like reflect on what what she's done. But the Watcher's prison would be something entirely different. The oh, 100 percent. You know, the shaming, the disapproval, the the indications of her failure all that kind of stuff. And that is very parental because then she finds someone who totally approves of her, you know, afterward there. So after Buffy and Faith have the conversation, Buffy goes back to the group and is like, well, who's going to talk to Faith because someone needs to get through to her. And Xander, like Xander, Xander, um, what's the word volunteers to talk. And then, uh, Willow finds out and it's very sad. (laughs) Um, and then Xander eventually goes to the apartment. The thing with Xander, first of all, I hate 
almost every Xander monologue in the series. <laughs> I even like it's just so like he always shows up and tells it like it is, you know. And the irritating ones where he's trying to get Buffy to kill Angel, the one where he convinces Buffy to go be with Riley, like they're all like him acting out of a sense of total impotence and like demanding to like people see his value. And in this one is particularly, it's really fucked up. He knows that by saying what he says, they're going to realize he slept with her. And so this is his way of being like a fucked faith, you know, without them knowing and demonstrating like his masculinity. And then, and then he goes and tries it, of course, to talk to her completely delusional, like thinking that he has something to offer. Even, you know, like, even later in season six, when he has like the talk with Willow, you know, it's the sort of version of what he tries to do with Faith that works, you know. But even that talk, I hate that. I hate that whole monologue when he talks to her and talks about the crayon and all that shit. Like, I, that that to me was like, to, I know people love that moment and they cry at that moment, but to me, it's like the one of the most irritating, like, and unsatisfying ends to any. <laughs> Yes. Season? Yes. Now we're broken up because I love that. Okay. That's, that's like the only Xander <laughs> moment I, I like. I just find like his posturing. You know, I mean, I, I accept that it would work. It's a fine story point. I just find him doing that constantly because it's a constant move on his part to yes. be really, really irritating. <laughs> and um, this time he did it knowing it would hurt willow and disturb buffy and all that kind of stuff and there was really no reason for him to do it he could just go and talk to her you know he could have just went to talk to her if he really thought it was true that she would listen and, and he could have done do it, it anyway you know uh, so i don't know if i'm being if i'm being like in a in a in uh in a good mood towards xander today it could have been because i had lunch with someone who's a huge xander fan but um <laughs> i I actually think that this is one episode where I don't want to rake Xander over the coals, but I do agree that the thing that he did with like basically saying it to the group was stupid. Like that is weird. And it's like basically just like saying to them like, yo, I got that. Like I hit that, like, you know, high fives for me. And it's like, no one cares. Um, And that he could have just gone to her. But I do think that when he goes to her, even when the group, it's not that the group, doesn't believe I don't know it's a, the group doesn't believe in him but I think that he goes out of this like sense of goodness that we're supposed to believe that Xander has um that like it's a I don't know if it, we we've all torn Xander apart in our own way and, and we can <laughs> say to what level Xander has goodness but I think he goes out of this sense of like I really can help and I can make sure that someone doesn't die again if I just talk to faith and so I actually felt like while that he was a dick when he put it in Willow's face basically about him sleeping with Faith. The moment where he actually goes to speak to Faith, I feel like he is coming from a genuine place and that it's actually one of the sweeter Xander scenes. But then of course he gets like assaulted and attacked by her and almost choked and like choked. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Also wait. So I just wanted to point out, I love the scene of them all being like, Oh, Oh, it kind of reminded me of me and you, Matthew, because I feel like, I tend to be the ditzy one, so I would be like, oh, and then look at you, and you'd be like, I don't need to say, oh, I already figured it out. Like, <laughs> it, like, really reminded me of me and you, and I really loved the, like, beats in that scene. I don't know. I thought it was really good, like, seeing yeah, Giles yeah, have is. to be surprised, and he's like, oh, I'm with a b- bunch of teenagers talking about sex, and, like, Buffy being just surprised in general, and Willow's like, no, I got it. Yeah, I, I like it. I like that, too. And I just want to be clear, like, I actually really like Xander, um, I'm not, I'm not someone that, I like every, I like almost all the characters, um, 
I mean, there are some exceptions, but I love Dawn. Like, I'm one of the people that loves Dawn. Like, I even love, like, I love the people that people don't like, too. I'm a Dawn apologist. Uh, Okay, good. (laughs) Okay, good. But I, but I feel like there's this whole, like, weird complex with him that, um, it certainly adds to the show, and so I like its presence in the show. It just, like, frustrates me to watch, you know? And it it starts, you know, you see it with him being with Cordelia, and then she's not with him anymore. She wants him to leave her alone because of all the things that happened. But then in this episode, she basically castrates him with that com- – I'm sorry, she does it in Bad Girls with that comment. And then it just echoes – it echoes throughout. And then also – you know, later it it kind of reminds me of when he decides to stand Anya up, which is just completely despicable. Yes, and he he his idea that he's going to go to Faith, who he clearly means nothing to, and she's going to try to kill him, and then he's going to like ditch Anya, and she's going to try to kill him. You know, and she's going to try to make things up with Cordelia and she's going to completely just like level him every single time. Like he just has a death wish. Like that's (laughs) all it is. And it surrounds like the women that he involves himself with in one way or another. Like he's just wants to be killed, you know, and even then he goes and gives a speech to Willow, you know, in season six. And she tries to kill him when he like tries to express himself. And so I think that there's some deep... You know, especially Joss Whedon saying he really relates to Xander. Like, there's some deep thing about wanting to be killed by the woman that you're involved with that runs through Xander's life. <laughs> All right. I, can buy I that. also really, I need to, we need to talk about Faith's leather outfit when she's assaulting Xander because it's so amazing. <laughs> I just like wrote, I literally have in all caps, this face, this Faith leather outfit with like four exclamation points. <laughs> because we here at Slayer Fest 98 love to follow Faith's fashion. Yes. Um, and her choices. And literally it's like iconic. It's so good. I mean, I did just... At New York Comic Con, I bought the like Funko Pop two pack of Faith and Buffy and Faith in her uh, first outfit, and I thought of you, Matthew. So I was like, "Oh, she's, she's wearing in her dangly outfit." Yeah, with, with the, the boob, with the dangly things, with the yeah. boob window and the like gold whatever colored pants. <laughs> oh my god, iconic! <laughs> <laughs> it's just like there's certain moments when they either they just do like all leather with Faith, and it's like, eh, put a leather jacket, or they like go to the nines, and like you said before, she looks like a '90s pop star. <laughs> They really put her to their minds in the Assault Xander uh, moment. And also, I wanted to... What did you guys think? I don't... I legitimately don't think she was going to kill Xander. I think she just wanted to, like... Yeah, I don't think so. I I don't think she was going to kill him either. But, like, I mean, she had him against the ropes and was choking him. And he was afraid for his life. Right. So it's kind of like, instead of, uh, I mean, killing him, she really, like, scarred him and did him some did him some mental bad i mean she she wants to see where that line is right like am i capable of this or not like she is experimenting with that in a way and sure she's dressed sexy you know so we can appreciate the sexuality of that moment as well you know (laughs) so think about it i mean she basically beat xander up the first time they had sex too you know and this is just way more way more extreme and he's not saying he's cool with it i don't know i mean i love i do love that scene and i love the ambiguity of whether or not she would have done it you know because you can see her accidentally doing it as a lot of asphyxiation deaths (laughs) are accidents you know what i mean like she might she might have accidentally 
killed him um, and then had to deal with it. And would she have felt I, – I feel she actually would have felt really terrible she killed Xander. Yes. I, I think it would have been a different thing altogether. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because I think she – while the gang doesn't really like her, she wants to be a part of that gang. And they're like the only real friends she has even though they're barely friends. And it would have been a completely irredeemable moment. She, it, it wouldn't have been it, – it would have been something that instead of the gradual stuff that she does with, when she's with the mayor, which gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse at every turn until she's ready to help him kill everybody in the town, <laughs> um, <laughs> she uh, – it would have been this like one tragic, horrible thing she would have done. You know, so well, in some place, I think- really, if Xander would have died – you know, things would have been much better off for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the moment exists because, like I said, I, I do think that even from a writerly perspective, you have to look at that faith killing and be like, it was a total accident. And she's been able to explain herself pretty well with her little cost benefit analysis. And so, like, <laughs> I think that you, as a writer, you need a moment that shows that faith is or has the has the potential to go from killing some stranger in the alley to like really harming someone who is much closer to her. And obviously she doesn't go that far, but um, throughout the season, we're going to see her get closer and closer to even killing Buffy, who is the person who let her in the most and with whom they shared a secret and all that from a writer's perspective. Like we need that moment to see that faith is capable of, is even capable of that. That's you know, fair, we yeah. need we need that as a visual to say like, okay, we've now seen Faith choking choking Xander. Like, okay, she's bad now. Yeah, it's interesting. My my boyfriend he hates Faith. Like he hates her, and I can't huh. even in this moment of her choking out Xander. <laughs> I can't bring myself to hate her. Like oh, I, I love Faith. Yeah, yeah, I love I love her as a character, and I in that sense we are aligned with Buffy because we never like really give up on her. You always want her to be like okay somehow, you know. And he hates her. And I think part of the reason why he hates her is he thinks she's like a bad actor, which. In fairness, in Buffy, she is a little bit, but then by when she's in Dollhouse, she's not. Like when Elias Dushku's in Dollhouse, it's like <laughs> she's she's unbelievable. But I feel like uh, he just never felt sympathy for this sort of downtrodden, hurt, wounded, and so it's interesting. I I know I, we've had a couple. Of, I feel like we've had a couple of guests, right, Matthew? That like I, really uh, don't like Faith. I yeah, I don't understand even how you can like the show Buffy and not like Faith. <laughs> it's <laughs> totally. like. They are antithetical concepts to me. I think that Faith is like one of the most interesting, complex creatures to ever be born out of this series. Yes. And I love her. And I actually think that, I mean, like it comes through in the podcast because like we obviously give some characters a lot of leeway. And I like, you know, even while she's choking Xander, I'm like, yeah, Faith, you look hot. Love it. Love your leather outfit. (laughs) And then like Xander like saves the world. I'm like, you're a piece of shit. Like, fuck you. It's like, okay, clearly biased it might be be because so he also really loves spike and it Mm -hmm. might be because the um you know like spike is truly well at least after he becomes a vampire he truly is like a badass you know um i mean obviously he's not beforehand but um and he's just he's a fucking monster whereas like i can see someone not liking faith because she's pretending to be tough to cover up 
her wounds and that can be really annoying it's like think of like the gay dudes that you meet you know on scruff or whatever that are like in quotes cocky you know what i mean but like actually they're just emotional like black hole abysses and they're just awful because <laughs> like they don't know how to be vulnerable or talk about their feelings at all and like you can be initially turned on by the cockiness and then just be like oh this is just like a time suck and it's awful <laughs> so maybe it's kind of like that it's just like seeing that faux toughness you know but if you take it that way but i actually think she is tough like i think she actually is like a badass you know and that while some of it's covering up some of the stuff that doesn't mean that it's all phony or that it's well, not well like, that's the thing uh, is like you you sorry yeah. go ahead uh, well one thank you for summing up my dating life connor two <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah i think faith is both i think faith is putting on an air of like, I mean, with this whole thing, like, she ends the episode with, I don't care. But then, like you said, she's washing the blood out of her clothes, like fucking Lady Macbeth or whatever. Like, she <laughs> does feel bad, but also she, <laughs> what is the, what is the term you both keep using that's a fucking business shit? The cost, cost, now, benefit, cost benefit analysis. <laughs> like, she is doing that, and it is logical, but, like, I do think she is both. I think she's putting on an air, but also is a badass, and also is, like, oh, let me jump into this pit of vampires so we can kill them. Come join me, Buffy, or I might die. Merp, jumps in. Right. Like, right. Well, I think it's interesting what you brought up with your boyfriend with Spike and, and Faith because I I am someone who just doesn't like Spike as much as everyone else does, and I'm sure there are people who would say to me what I just said about Faith, like, how can you <laughs> not like Spike if you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I don't yes. really get Spike, but um, I think that the reasons that you conjectured about your boyfriend's feelings towards both characters i would reverse them because i feel like yeah spike is a badass he's a monster but that's because there's like a demon that's inhabited his soul and it's kind of like a boring reason and when i think of faith i think of like yes she's both she's a badass but she also and we've talked about this on the on the podcast before one of the things that they don't discuss on the show openly but that you need to read faith through this lens is like the class lens is that like Faith is, like, this lower yeah. middle class from outside of Boston, like, really tough upbringing young girl. And, like, she, so she's probably naturally tough, but also has been through a lot of shit and, like, was probably, like, teased in school for being poor. Like, maybe she had holes in her shoes and people were mean to her. Like, who knows? Like, I can imagine this whole background for why she is the way she is. And, and a lot of it has to do with, like, just the roughness of growing up not you know lower working class in in outside of boston you know and i and i i always think about that when i think about faith is like and i actually think that's also a weird way like why her and xander are supposed to connect in some way too because out of everyone on the show xander is from working class and so her uh, faith and xander both represent a different kind of class than buffy or or willow or giles and i mean i think we're kind of supposed to assume buffy's working class but like clearly isn't because look at the house right like the right. the yeah. like yeah. when you know like after her mom dies and they have all these bills and you know even before jo joyce dies she talks a lot about like oh i have a shift at the gallery oh i have to work at the museum and like they try to like say that they're working class but like that's a nice house <laughs> well i think that it's, it's about like working class aesthetic and working class like yes. we never think of buffy as working class as opposed to like oh, Xander, like, goes yeah. into construction. He is, like, the everyman. His family is all, like, when we see them in Hell's Bells, like, they're all, like, you know, his yeah. father's clearly, like, an abusive alcoholic. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. like, they are, like, you know, fucking the Iceman cometh shit. 
Yes. You know? <laughs> but I want to. I want to like. Clear, I'm sure you guys have talked about this before, but I want to clear something up now because I'm thinking about Faith's like growing up. So Faith became the Slayer when Kendra died, right? Right. Okay. So between Kendra dying and Faith showing up, how much time was that? So, so Kendra dies around like let's say the end of the school year, so maybe like Mayish or Juneish, and then faith shows up in like the beginning of the school year so like september october ish so she's barely a slayer too i mean I yes. think yeah that's the thing like she barely has any time even kendra had like almost no time right yeah. like kendra had like a year or something like that whereas buffy has had what like by the time she meets faith she's had three yeah. years or something yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm just sort of thinking about that, too, in terms of, like, the kind of toughness she's had to have is all life situational stuff until she's, like, activated or whatever. Presume- it, it's never really clear to me how it worked with her and Kendra. Like, it's clear to me how it works with everybody else in season seven. <laughs> but, like, with, with Kendra and, and Faith, like, I don't – I kind of am having a hard time imagining it, especially with Kendra, who's been, like, training her whole life. So, like, maybe they were training and, like, getting her yeah. ready – when Buffy died or whatever. Yeah, no, well, so like the way they put it in the show is like, cause even Kennedy in season seven has a watcher who she trains with. And so even though she hasn't been called, she knows some fighting skills. So the idea is that like the watchers are supposed to find potentials all over the world and work with them before they become the slayer. And so Buffy is actually like an anomaly. Like she became the slayer, but she never had a watcher who was looking out for her prior to her being called. Right, um, okay. But the real, like, in a perfect world or in a perfect system, the idea is supposed to be, like, a watcher is working from you with you since birth to, like, prep you just in case you get called. Um, but it's always, like, a crapshoot as to who is going to get called. So when Buffy died, Kendra was called, and then Buffy came back. And so actually what happens is that the power of who gets called next, just like when Kendra was called and Buffy died, it passed to Kendra. So when right. Kendra died, Faith was called. And what they actually don't say, because it ends up being that everyone in the world is a slayer by season seven or whatever, or every potential is a slayer, like the the line of slayers actually rests with Faith. So if Faith were to die, someone else would be called because she has the she is the one in whom like the power lies at the moment. It's still like the training question is a little weird because oh yeah, it's totally training weird. is obviously different than Kendra's was. And, like, what Faith went through and, like, her ex- level of experience. Like, Kendra was just, like, in it day well, in, even, day Well, right? even training, Buffy, training. like, when we get the flashback in season two, even Buffy hadn't been training till she was, like, she... Already a slayer. Yeah, like, she was already a slayer and then her watcher approached her. Like, her watcher didn't train her right. beforehand. So, like, they're not quite... I mean, the show, like, has things like that that aren't so consistent all the time well, right i'm not trying to um like be like well actually like nobody <laughs> could jump that high you know like i'm not uh, but i'm but i'm sort of thinking of it more in terms of like what kind of emotional sort of values and yeah. thoughts faith has when she kills someone because she's also kind of making grand claims of what she's done in the world <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. someone that's not been a slayer very long, you know? Well, I mean, that's I think it's that she hasn't been a slayer long that goes into it. Like, Buffy has had all these events wherein she's had to wrestle with her power and the nature of her power, and Kendra taught her about it being a calling and not a job and all these things, and we don't really know how much Faith has or has not wrestled with what it means to be a slayer. And when we talked about, like, their differing philosophies, that conversation they have, like, 
I mean, imagine also, so I want to go back. So Faith is, like I said, lower middle class. Like she probably has very little. And maybe she was like told that she was a piece of shit growing up. Like, you know, she or you in America, like when you're lower middle class or when you're poor, you're taught that you're expendable. So she's coming from this place of not having a lot. And then she finds out that she's a slayer and she has all this power and she's actually able to like make change in the world. And I think that in the psyche of someone who is given very little and then is given a lot, like she, you know, it makes sense that she would start to see this like grandiose vision of herself because she hasn't had her power very long and doesn't understand the nature of it. And she's also like just been given something that is life changing um, and so I think she's very she's very into it in a way that Buffy is kind of almost disgusted with it sometimes because it's led to her having to kill the only person who loved her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I, I want to say also just in regards to like class and all that like in her situation, it's also like you love Faith because she hates the police also. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, like Buffy like respects like <laughs> Buffy doesn't really love the police and certainly as the season series goes on like she grows to dislike them more and more because yeah. they're in her way you know. Um, but, like, Faith just doesn't like them to begin with. She's just like, who the fuck are you? And you know she would have had that feeling whether she was a slayer or not, which yes. is something that I really like right. about her. You oh, know? my God. Connor, yeah. <laughs> so I always, like, my first episode that I ever watched of the show, my mom got me into it. And the first episode I fully watched was Faith, Hope, and Trick, Faith's first one. And uh-huh. being the, like, shitty warp Tour going teen that I was, Faith appealed to me so much because it was like, oh, this is the girl I want to be. Like, I want to be this, like, cool, vaguely punk-looking chick who can, like, <coughs> beat up authority figures. Right, yeah. totally. Yeah, but then, I mean, and then that's, that's like, a great turnaround then, right? Because yeah. she goes from someone who's, like, hates the cops to someone who's serving, like... <laughs> The, uh, like, totally oppressive jerk, you know, politician <laughs> who, like, runs the town. You know, right. so you see that shift. It's like, you can you can hate the police, you know, and maybe there's a more appropriate way to hate them, like Buffy hates them or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But but then, like, and, and but if the shadow side of that is, like, being one of them, you know, <laughs> she, essentially, right. she essentially becomes a cop in a weird way, you know. Just yeah. for like a shitty politician. <laughs> um, so we talked about uh, we didn't we talked about the Watchers Council kind of fucking it up when Faith was just about to have a breakthrough. I don't know how much we want to say about the Faith Angel connection. I do think that like the show the writers put that in there because they are testing a lot of things for yes. Angel's upcoming spinoff, <laughs> and so they want to see how well Faith and Angel work together. And I I mean it's obviously like that they do, and they both have this kind of similar redemption storyline. Um, and but you know I, what? So I, I do think they work well together. Like I do. Like I don't always think they Dave, do. David Boreanaz has the best chemistry with everyone, but I think him and Angel and Faith do work well together. I didn't. Wasn't it at this point like that they were considering a Faith series instead of an Angel series too? Like weren't they? I think that was like always an idea. That? Yeah, they might have been testing to see like whether they wanted to bring Faith along with him. Maybe they didn't because like two redemption arcs is too many for one series, and so they needed a different person to play off of. But I'm sure they were like also testing to see what characters would come over. Also, I feel like which... Eliza was one of the ones that like blew up pretty quickly. Like one of the like actors from Buffy. Well, yeah, yeah. bring it on. Yeah. So the moment where she's in there with Angel, one of the great things about that is when angel's talking to her and then he goes outside and buffy's standing there 
I love that because it is a moment where like you see how much Buffy really does care. You know, yeah. Buffy didn't have to be there. I mean, and I don't really think that she's just like keeping an eye on her BF, you know. I don't it doesn't seem like that. It seems like she's just like, tell me what's going on. She's caring for Angel too. She's like, Are you okay doing this? Basically, and I love I love that that she's that she's outside. Well, I mean, it's really interesting uh, who ends up this is like such a twenty seventeen buzz term, I feel like, that's used <laughs> on Twitter all the time, but Angel is the one who ends up doing all the emotional labor with Faith, really. Like, oh. he he is the one who she does kind of open up to and who gets to do it. But, like, nowhere did it... Like, if you had to throw a dart at a dartboard to say, like, who would end up being the one speaking to Faith, like, I would not have guessed Angel because he's been so separate from yeah. the conversations around Faith. Like, it's been the group, the Scooby gang, trying to find figure out what they're going to do. And Angel kind of almost comes in like a deus ex machina and like, oh, you forget you have someone who has hundreds of years of experience yeah. <laughs> and knows about the nature of evil. Like, you should have him talk to her. <laughs> um, and it makes a lot of sense. But it, it is such a sweet and tender moment where she's like, you all of a sudden have had to become a therapist. Like, how are you doing? Are you OK? <laughs> so Giles says there are like things in place for when this happens. Like Giles makes it very clear that like, oh, she should have just <laughs> talked to Giles. But then the Watcher Council, like, totally fucks it up, as they always do. Like, I don't know, I kept I like, I kept thinking about, like, what was it in place that they were supposed to do, rather than... Right, that's a funny paradox. Like, right? right? <laughs> yeah, because it looked like their answer was just going to be some kind of imprisonment. Like, throw her in jail, or, yeah. Or, I mean, if they were going to bring her to, you know, to maybe, maybe like, have, like, a trial, but it would be, like, one of those... I don't even know what they call it. Like, it's like just one of those corrupt trials where like the same person does everything like judge, jury and executioner. Yeah. You're, you're totally right in pointing that out. Ian. it's like, he says there are things in place, but then what they do, he objects to and yeah. it's, and, and it's not what's in. And so you're like, okay, so is this Giles like thinking I would have handled this better, you know, like I would have sort of smoothed out how to get help, which obviously he probably would have better than Wesley. Yes. Yeah. Or, or is he still sort of in that place where he kind of still trusts them and is still kind of into them, even though he, you know, obviously doesn't trust them and has sort of lost his place and is maybe trying to find his way back to them or whatever. That is, I didn't even think of that, that, <laughs> that the thing he says, the comfort Buffy is the exact thing that makes everything wrong. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, it's one of those things too. It's like, even if I think he doesn't trust them, but also it's like, there's only one entity in the world that can deal with a slayer who has killed someone. Like, there's only one person who has true, a set yeah. of bylaws that will somehow deal with this problem. That's and true, so it's yeah. kind of, he might even just be throwing his hands up at that point. Giles is very eager to wash his hands of the situation. Well, um, I wanted to say one more thing about this conversation between Faith and Angel, because it has its sort of darker version when... Mm -hmm when she uh, uh, seduces him later, but it's like, doesn't yeah. really seduce him, you know? And, um, and Angel and, and Buffy are in on it again, you know, but in a different way. And they're sort of like yeah. plotting against her. So it has its mirror image in that episode. And I was thinking about this this time when he goes out to talk to her, like, Oh, right. They, they've done this before too. Yeah. I'm going to ask the question that we forgot to ask the last two episodes, Matthew. <laughs> Well, we didn't forget to ask. We went very long the last okay, two episodes. Um, 
what do you guys think Dawn would have been doing in these episodes? But wait, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't finish. The, we have to finish. There's one more thing you have to talk about. The okay. death of Mr. Trick. Oh, right, right, right. Uh-huh. I fucked. I forgot. God. Mr. Trick dies, y'all. Right. It's a crazy mom. It's a crazy death, right? And he has like... that weird fucking tie. Uh-huh. Well, he has a... Also, he does. They get a really weird. So we've talked about this before, too. Connor, like the way they write Mr. Trick. It's like clearly a white person writing a black person, and it's very oh, aw- and it's very awkward. And when he goes to kill Buffy, he says, "They say once you kill, once you um, tasted a Slayer, you never go back." And it's supposed to be a like once yeah. you go black, you never go back joke. And I'm like, Ugh. "What? Why are they doing this? It's so gross." <laughs> it's like what it's white person so was bad. so excited to do that? Getting fast food, like it's just all bad. Like yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. I and know. we've and, and one of the things we've talked about on and I don't know if you want to comment on it is that like Mr. Trick, um, probably when people think about go back and think about like Buffy villains, they may not think about him, but that he had a lot of potential and I actually feel like you know, he's killed here, but he was kind of wasted. He was a really smart vampire who was obviously very old and was very good at being like a right hand man. He did it for Kistos and then he went to the mayor. He really knew how to find like who was the person in power and work for them. And I think so the actor just, was good. And the actor was good. And I just kind of want to pour one out for like <laughs> Mr. Trick is the, they kind of did him dirty and he didn't get to, it would have been cool if he had stayed for a long time and even like played a part in the final battle where yes. maybe like, but they have, they have to fight, you know, the mayor at the end. But like before that they have to fight Mr. Trick or something. Or if there was some tension, like, I mean, the, the tensions that were available between Mr. Trick and Faith, if she became, you know, part of, like, yeah, like if she started working for the mayor and he still was, you know, that's interesting as well. Right. Like, like maybe the that, number one that's probably the why they killed him. That was just too much for them to handle, you know? But, yeah, I mean, having this sort of, like, gay, black vampire who is obviously written <laughs> like <laughs> as this like weird caricature whatever i mean he was he was a cool character but i can't i don't know like i don't actually see i was surprised that he died here and it seemed like there was a lot of development for nothing and that it kind of just sort of ran aground and all that but i, I don't know i mean I don't know what kind of place he would have had in unless like Spike, he left town and came back later or something like that. Yeah. You know, true. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, RIP, Mr. Yeah, Trick. Yeah. Okay. Now we can ask the question. Ian. <laughs> okay. Connor, what do you think Dawn was doing in these episodes? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a fun, that's a really funny <laughs> question. What I think Dawn was doing. I think, there, I think there's a part of How it. How old would like, she have been? She would have been. She would have been about twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, she would have. She would have really liked Oz. I feel like he would have been. He would have been super cool with her. So let me think of that. What I haven't hell? mentioned this yet, Connor. This episode because we didn't talk a lot about Oz, but Oz is my Buffy crush. I think he's the best. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Yeah, I love. I love Oz too. Yeah. I mean. He's a dick when he comes back, yes. but like, but besides that, he's really cool. Yeah. Um, man, what a what a really good question. <laughs> I wouldn't even think about it. <laughs> well, I think that it's harder for this episode because Joyce is barely in it, and yeah. I can only always think of what Dom would be doing when I know uh-huh. what Joyce is doing, and she would be there. But it would have been interesting because she has a crush on Xander, so maybe. It would have been interesting to see a scene where Dawn like reacts to the fact that Xander was almost killed by Faith, and like Dawn's like, "I hate Faith now because yeah. she hurt Xander." 
I always go back and forth whether I think Dawn would have thought Faith was cool or would have immediately hated her. I think she would have thought she was awesome, actually. And like I think I think Buffy would have been really angry about that, like what (laughs) what uh, Faith was sort of introducing to her and stuff, you know, and and maybe that's where Dawn developed her like cheesy, terribly handled kleptomania was from hanging out with Faith. Oh my god, I love terribly handled kleptomania. <laughs> and then maybe like, you know, um, maybe like she also gets kidnapped and she's with Giles and, and uh, Wesley when Balthazar is like yelling at them and she's like insulting him like in the most awful way and Wesley's cowering too and yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we forgot to, like, um, for Gingerbread, we forgot to ask our our guest, Anthony, that. And on Twitter, someone asked, and he was like, oh, she would have been on a fourth stake for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was, like, an episode where it was like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely where she would have been. Like, she would have been actually, like, in the main plot of the episode. So (laughs) even if um, they are really, like, a two-parter in my mind, we can grade the two episodes and we can kind of grade them separately. So Connor, we go on an A to F scale. What do you, how would you grade bad girls and how would you grade consequences? Oh, that's good. So I actually like bad girls more than I like consequences on its own. Like I like them as a continuity together, like quite a bit. And I would give that continuity a different grade than I would give the episodes separately. Ooh, give the, so do all three. Great. Yeah. Give us all the grades. (laughs) So I'm doing, I'm doing a through F is that, and I have yeah. like pluses and minuses as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would probably give I would probably give Bad Girls like a B plus. Like I would give it a high grade. Okay. Just if there's nothing else, that last moment is just so profound and powerful for me. And it is one of my maybe even an A minus if for nothing else than because that moment because <laughs> it's such a moment for the series and I love I love it. Um, I love that moment. I think consequences is more of just like a like a B minus or like even like a C plus, <laughs> but I have like, I have high, like I have like high grade. Like I really want to save the A and the A plus for the best of the best. You know what I mean? And okay. it's not, it's not that consequences is bad. It's actually a little boring. If yes. you, if you, it's like, it's a little flat and it really only works as an extension of bad girls. Yeah. Like, in an exciting way. So put them both together and I would say like, yeah, like a B plus, A minus, something like that. I think I actually am going to agree with you, Connor. Um, because I do think consequences, when I was rewatching it, I kept being like, all right, like what, what else needs to happen? Like it felt like there was so much going on and it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of like action. It was all just like a lot of plot going on. Yeah. I think I would give, I would give bad girls. I think, I think I would give it an A minus. And I think I would give consequences a C plus, and then altogether I would give them a B plus. Mm-hmm. Matthew, y'all are so hard on consequences. It's like <laughs> that does not even does not need to be that harsh. There's not even a C plus episode in all of season three. Let's get it, <laughs> let's not get it twisted, first of all. But. Um, so it is interesting as a two-parter because so many times on Buffy the in a two-parter, and I know obviously it's not an official one, but I'm calling it like it is because I'm going to grow an ass woman and do what I want. But the most of the two-parters... It's, it's very Xander of you. Like it is. <laughs> um, the, the, most of the two-parters go where like Joss uses the first um, 
the first episode to put all the chess pieces in place, and then the second one, all the action happens. This mm-hmm. one is kind of inverted, where we see all of the action happen, and then it's really the second one is dealing with all this fallout. Um, and so it's a very different kind of like way. It's like it's it's like it's like orgasm and then cuddling afterwards or whatever. But like way too much cuddling. Afterwards. <laughs> um, and then uh, so I would give. Bad Girls an A minus, and I would give Consequences a B plus, and I would give them an A minus together because I really like Consequences because I like really dialogue heavy second parts. I'm a Kill Bill Volume Two stand. What do you want? I was just thinking of Kill Bill. Yeah, I was gonna say it's very, very Kill Bill in that sense. And I love, yeah, I love Part One of Kill Bill and hate Part Two of Kill Bill. That's You're the same tra- thing. But then watch them together, and Part Two is totally fun and fine. I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah i really i mean i love these episodes that's why like you guys asked me which ones i wanted to do and i wanted to do i like i like these turning points you know those to me are the most exciting moments of series and you don't get to know that they're turning points until i mean you can pretty much tell this is a turning point but you don't know just how much until right you've gone through thanks for listening and you should follow us on Twitter at SlayerFestX98. And if you want to follow Matthew, he's at Matthew Rodriguez, one T, a G, and a Z. And you can follow Ian at IanXCarlos on Twitter. And Connor, where can they find you? <laughs> and you can, um, so I have a web series called Against Everyone with Connor Beeb, which is actually just switching now to dual format so it'll be a podcast and a web series so you can follow it on youtube youtube.com forward slash connor abib you can follow me on twitter which is at connor abib c-o-n-n-e-r-h-a-b-i-b um and also there's a patreon and that's really where i want you to follow me because that's (laughs) you you would support the web series i'm doing and that's um patreon.com forward slash connor abib cool all right everyone thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week Bye. Bye. Bye.